Hi, I'm Iris Muller. I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and a proud mom of two children, one of whom has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and is nonverbal. And I'm Alma Schneider, a licensed clinical social worker and the proud mom of four children, one of whom has Prader-Willi syndrome. In this podcast, we discuss the uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. This is Two Moms No Fluff. Hello, everybody. We are Alma Schneider, my friend here, and I am Iris Meller, Two Moms No Fluff, a podcast in which we discuss the truth about raising kids with disabilities uncensored, and uh, we disclose our true experiences and stories here. And today, an interesting topic, which I'll let Alma tell you about. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. We are going to be discussing travel with our children. Yes, travel, which may not seem like such a big deal to a lot of you out there if you're allies and you do not have a child with a disability. But let me tell you, it's a lot of thought, a lot of planning, and a lot of emotional unrest can occur when even thinking about traveling with your child. <laughs> so with that being said, I'll pass <sighs> mic over to Iris. I would just start Alma with the story from yesterday because it's a tiny little story, but uh, still is meaningful. This is traveling by car. So we have a, a wheelchair accessible van in uh, with the ramp at the back. And we were on a family trip and yesterday we left the hotel that we were staying in. Uh, that was a birthday kind of thing for my son. So we had uh, my son and his friend and uh, my daughter and her aide, my husband and myself, the wheelchair, the bath seat, which we forgot in the hotel, mind you. <laughs> and now we don't even know how we'll get it back. Never mind. And uh, we are... First things first, if you don't have a wheelchair accessible van, you can't load anything into the car until the wheelchair is in with the child. The child, the wheelchair is all tied in. It's a process that takes about 10 minutes, all the belt straps and everything. We had it going, then my daughter was in the car, then we put the um, all of the equipment, we opened the rear bench so the two boys can sit at the back and everything is loaded into the car. And uh, a second uh, uh, after we left the driveway, the two boys in the back, we're hungry. So we're like, okay, let's stop and get, grab something to eat. And, and as we finish ordering in a drive-thru, I'm telling you, it's like five minutes after we left the hotel. My daughter is like, I need to use the bathroom <laughs> with her communication device. And we're like, no, no, this is not happening. But it did happen. So we had to like undo everything. <laughs> It's just even leaving a hotel is an hour-long story for our family. It's just so pathetic. But yes, it is possible, and we do travel. And as Alma knows, uh, we traveled extensively because of my husband's work and uh, other related issues. And uh, planes, uh, we didn't do the boats. That would be like your, uh, I guess, bit. But uh, definitely planes, long flights, long car rides. We've done it all. And I'll share some more later on. Alma, back to you, my friend. Your story reminds me of the fact that people who have babies experience that kind of situation a lot, where you get in the car 
and you get everything ready, you have all the paraphernalia, and then you're on your way and the baby poops and you have to get out and change a diaper. And, you know, so I just wanted to note that your daughter's 13. So you've been dealing with that for 13 years of somebody who at the last second, you know, everything gets delayed. And if, you know, I think it's important for, to acknowledge that because these kinds of things that are short lived for most people, for people who have unique situations like quadriplegia or cerebral palsy or you know any kind of a um, a disability that requires other people to help you with these basic things this is years and years of this and one I take my hat off to you Iris for you know dealing with this but just so people know the toll that it takes and again you know we're not asking for a pity party or you know but we don't want to sugarcoat it and these are things that that again most people deal with for a couple of years and so to get ongoing you know it's really tough and um you know i have situations you know similar to that not necessarily the physical stuff but um you know somewhat related things so the first story i'll tell is how when my son was diagnosed, how terrified I was that we were never going to travel again because of, you know, reading about his disability, I felt, well, clearly we're never going to be able to go anywhere again because he's going to be un completely unmanageable. So that was horrible considering that my husband and I were very big travelers. You know, we, you know, I used to live in Spain. I used to live in Japan. I've traveled, you know, all over the world. And the, the thought of never being able to do that and with our other children was a horrible thought that we were going to have to deprive our whole family of travel. So let me start off by saying that's not the case. We have traveled extensively, but it, again, it does take a lot of preparation and a lot of work. And um, so one of the things, because Prader-Willi syndrome has um, quite a bit to do with food and um you know, there's such a need for structure and for, um, you know, caloric, you know, making sure that the calories are, are under a certain amount to stay safe and healthy. Um, it, it can be really challenging. So one of our, um, we, I'll give you a positive story and a negative story. We went to Israel, um, a number of years ago and, uh, we took one of those tours people might be familiar with where, you know, you, you, we went with another family and they took a small bus. Um, I see you smiling, Iris. <laughs> this is her family, her country of origin. Um, and we drove, you know, they drove us everywhere and um, to see different sites. And we were never, we never knew exactly when we were going to stop for lunch or dinner. So it was so challenging with our child who was who needs to know exactly where we're going and at exactly what time. So his perseverative behavior kicked in. He just couldn't stop asking and he would, you know, say he was hungry and we, you know, were not supposed to give him, you know, extra food. So that was really challenging. Um, and because we did not have the structure that we needed and we could have, you know, just brought lunch or breakfast for him, but that's not how he rolls. He wanted to eat what everybody else was eating. And um, at the same time that people were eating, yet he 
struggled with not having it at the same time that we normally did at home and him not knowing what he was going to have. So that was really challenging. That kind of an unstructured trip where we didn't, you know, the, where the meals were unstructured. Then I will give you, now I will give you a more positive story about um, uh, a, a situation that seemed like it was going to be absolutely impossible. So when Lincoln was born, one of the first things I thought about was, we'll never be able to take a cruise ever because um, cruises have food all day long, you know, out out and you know you you I think that I counted that you could conceivably eat 12 times a day on a cruise because they have these the snack time and the this and the that between meals so when he I remember when he was born because my whole family I have six siblings and we had all talked about how would it be great in the future when our kids are older and we can all take a cruise together so nobody has to cook and it could be a great family vacation with everyone so immediately I was like, we're going to be excluded from the family vacation. We're never going to be able to take cruise. So fast forward, my husband had um, time off in between uh, two jobs. He was he was going to be starting a new job in a month, and he was not allowed to work for that month because of his his job, the nature of his job. So we decided off-peak to take a cruise, to risk it. So one of the beautiful things about the cruise was that there was so much healthy food in the buffets. There are many buffets in a cruise. So we were able to load our son up with every meal without paying for it because everything's free once you get on the cruise. So we would just give him a very low calorie um, salads and things that we normally wouldn't give him that were really expensive, like seafood that are low in calorie, high in protein. And he was able to eat that with our meals and it actually worked out. So I, I remember that being, you know, telling everybody in the Prater Willie syndrome forum, um, on Facebook, guess what? I was, you were going to be able to take your kid on a cruise. If you ever thought you couldn't take your kid on a cruise, the yeah. only you know, my son, I will say he was younger, so he had to be with us at all times. Once, you know, a child with Prader-Willi syndrome is older and wants to go off on their own, that will probably not be the right time to take them on a cruise. So that's a, a negative and a positive story related yeah. to, to food. Uh, yeah, the cruise sounds like a calorie disaster. This is one of the reasons why I avoid cruises because I have no self-control. So I'm just like, I can only imagine how it feels like being the self-control for another person on a cruise. That's like a brave, brave move, Alma. I salute you for that. Yeah. And I, I want to piggyback on something that you said earlier about like doing things while our kids are young, because I also have that same sense. Like, I think that in a way, I would probably think that travel with the Karen was also impossible. But the one reason that I, I never went down that route is that from the very beginning, we started flying with her, looking for therapies and medical advice and to kind of see, we would try to like see all that we can do to help resolve the situation in the early months and years that we were thinking, we will reverse this. <laughs> so a lot of uh, money, effort and time went into this. And uh, 
I think that because I traveled so extensively and I'm telling you, I would stay, let's say when we were living in uh, Calgary, Alberta, I would be there for three weeks and one week I would be out traveling with her. And same goes to the year that we were in Michigan. Like I was home three, I had a suitcase. I would wash everything and everything would go back to the suitcase ready for the next travel because there wasn't any sense in (laughs) undoing and doing everything. I traveled so, so much with her for therapy. The the thing is, is that as the years went by and we also like uh, attempted traveling for actual like vacation or visiting our family in Israel <laughs> uh, it uh, it was a whole different ball game and that the sense that this might be something that would have to end one day because as she's growing and her needs become more complicated um, we really thought that there's a clock ticking and there there might be an end for all this and uh, now with COVID obviously we did not travel with her in the last couple of years and I'm wondering if this was the the end of that or not because uh, I uh, back to a car ride we were just talking about our bathroom breaks and uh, having a baby and change the his diaper it's like it's a nice analogy, but it's almost like an insult, you know, to hear that because the level of complexity of taking our child out of the car, the level of complexity of using a public bathroom, it's just like strangers would not understand it. I always like to go back to the car ride we just took um, a few months ago to the Abilities Expo, highly recommended anyone who's listening, go to the Abilities Expo if you have any medical needs that require uh, durable medical equipment, That's the place to go. But we drove from Midland, Michigan to Chicago. It was supposed to take five and a half hours. And we people managed to stretch it out to 11 hours because of a few bathroom breaks for our daughter. It was a total disaster. So I don't know how air travel would be influenced by uh, the growth and changes in uh, phases and stages. But uh, while you can, if you can, if you have the opportunity, just jump on it. Just take that train, go on that flight, visit family, because things might change. And uh, if you have the ability to do it, whether it's a financial opportunity, a, an invitation, a place to go, please live life to its fullest because uh, it, it's just, uh, it's not easy but nobody guarantees that it would get any easier in the future. So while you can do it, because life is made of experiences, no materialistic stuff can ever replace good memories and uh, quality time with your family and loved ones. So my recommendation is always to like uh, brave it out and do it. And... uh, Alma, I know that the stress before flight is something that you also share with me, <laughs> but we can talk about that a little bit. Do you want to say how you plan for a trip? Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that I just, before I forget, I want people to think about if they're going somewhere to talk to other people in your, who might have similar issues to yours to get tips, things that you might not have ever thought about. Um, Cause again, we always say you don't know what you don't know. So it's really, uh, you know, we really recommend talking to other people in your boat 
and um, hopefully, you know, it can make your trip more pleasurable and less stressful. Uh, before I go on a flight or on a trip, I always make sure to have snacks with me because sometimes, and this goes for anybody who's like trying to watch their weight or trying to be healthier, always have something in the car that's healthy um, because if you have to stop, you might not have healthy options. So I'm, I'm talking about, you know, food related things, but um, we don't, you know, we have been stuck in the car sometimes where we can't, we, we don't have any food and we might have to stop at like a McDonald's, which is a nightmare if you have a child with Prader-Willi syndrome, because you, yeah. it, food is so caloric. And um, if you have other kids, they're going to want more food maybe. And it, it just turns into a, very difficult situation. So one of the ways that I plan is always having healthy food in the house, uh, sorry, in the car or in my bag if we're going on a plane ride. Um, so that's that's number one. I also um, have serious talks with my other kids about not talking about, and this isn't as much of an issue now, and understand it better, but on when they didn't really get um, that they can't, that it was going to make it very stressful if they talked about, I'm, I'm hungry. I want to get this. I want to get that, that it would bring up anxiety with our child wanting food. And, um, it was really important for us to have constant communication with our kids say, we're going to do this later. I'm going to give this to you later, but don't bring it up. You know, don't bring up lunch to Lincoln or don't, you know, all these things because it would cause him anxiety. So communication being practically prepared with food, um, having open communication with the other kids about um, not bringing up food. And if we're traveling somewhere, talking to the people ahead of time so that your child won't hear it, um, talking with people that we're visiting maybe and explaining as much as we possibly can about our kids' needs because my son and, you know, a lot of kids who have disabilities are very embarrassed that they're different and they don't want it to be a big part of, you know, their experience. So I try to do all of that ahead of time and explain what's needed. You know, if we're going to visit someone else, if we're going to travel, make sure that there's, uh, for us, that there's food security so that there's a door, you know, that uh, that is going to be locked um, so that my child can have access to the you know, the kitchen, which is very rare, but, you know, that people can, can accommodate us, but they can, and they make an effort. Um, so those are some of the things that we do to prepare for, for travel. Yes. I think one of the things that is helpful is not just getting advice and recommendation for people who, from people who actually live in a certain country, because the perspective might be very different uh, also as a tourist, like how do people experience that country or that place as tourists? I can only imagine how hard it might be to go to India with a with child with Prada really, because they are so in the habit of like giving the kids candies and cookies and extra food and, and all of that, that that might be like um, a, a real challenge to kind of, something that might be pure pleasure and uh, enjoyment for other kids uh, for your family might be really tricky 
and uh, that goes for allergies too, not just pre yeah. so many other disabilities. Yes, yes. So, so definitely, just like uh, the and and for us, for example, traveling, going back to my home country, Israel, where people there is no word in Hebrew for tact or tactfulness, and people really don't have tact or tactfulness. It's just like manners is is something very relative, and there's no like politically correctness <laughs> over there which is a part of the warm welcoming environment like you can like ask anyone for help and they'll basically be there but uh, on the other hand <laughs> it's like uh, we had some like very interesting questions and statements that were said both to my daughter her aides and <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I remember one of our Canadian aides that almost fainted at the level of a conversation we had with a falafel salesperson. We're just like, it's just very, very in interesting. Now I want to know, what did the falafel say? <laughs> I won't go into it right now, Alma. But that's life in Israel. So basically, <laughs> something silence would respect better. Okay. But uh, it, it's basically what I wanted to say is for us, there is always like a big, big stage of preparation and research about the, the destination, specifically about the travel kind of medias. Like uh, I remember when we were in China, we were using a bullet train uh, for a few times, and that was our first encounter with the bullet train and the whole accessibility uh, features, uh, things that that might be tricky for, for our family. But um, in that process, uh, something that I love to share, it's kind of from the world of uh, unschooling is like uh, we're going to experience something like really really big for our family for us um, you know many of those countries that we visited with our children it was our first time visiting as adults um, sometimes and uh, the the idea was that as I was doing my research kind of preparing for the technical difficulty we would also prepare our kids and read books about that next destination and see videos about traveling in that place and talk about the different languages and foods and what uh, what the experience might be like and we made the kids also partners in that uh, planning journey and and that's almost like half the fun is the preparation and the you can yeah and you can really capitalize on that and and make it like a whole kind of learning experience but i think that um that kids are really i really into it and uh, Given in one of the episodes, I already disclosed how we were really planning and hoping to visit the Olympic Park in Beijing and to go to that. Uh, the, they turned the Olympic, uh, 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 I guess, pool into one of the world's biggest uh, water parks. And we were trying to visit that because my kids saw videos about it and they were really ex excited. But when we actually went, uh, went in with the tickets and everything, they wouldn't let us in because of the wheelchair. And uh, that, that wasn't like the best experience. But uh, in general, the preparation is half the fun. And when the kids really end up experiencing something like that, it's, it's really great. And, uh, and the joy is endless. That's what yeah. I wanted to say. Yeah, my son loves to travel. He loves people. Um, something I want to bring up before um, this episode is over is a little controversial, but I'm going to bring it up anyway because it's real. Um, sometimes you do not bring your child 
on your trip. Um, and I know that some people feel very strongly about uh, that, that a child should always be included, but sometimes it's okay, in my opinion, to have quality time with other family members where it also might be too challenging um, for the person with the disability cause more anxiety. Um, and there are ways in which we can travel with parts of our family and not the other parts. Uh, everybody needs, needs to be able to have some downtime, some respite. And sometimes it's really hard to be inclusive um, when there's very little time to, you know, if we were vacationing all year, it would be one thing. Um, but for little trips. So in my opinion, I think, you know, we have done that. We have taken some of the kids on some trips and we've taken, you know, Lincoln on separate trips uh, so that he has a wonderful, you know, pool of experiences. Like you're saying, um, Iris, it's really important for kids to travel and to experience other cultures and all that. Um, and we have planned some trips where it, we know it will be very challenging for him with the food and it's not just for us to have a little, you know, peace of mind, but also for him, it's really hard for him to be exposed to food um, in ways that are very natural for people who don't have Prader-Willi syndrome. He gets very anxious. It's it's like it's a real tease for him. It's it's um very tempting, and it can really put a black cloud over the trip for him and for us. I'm just. I'm being honest, I'm not sugarcoating it here. So I just feel very strongly for our family um, that we can provide these different types of um, experiences for yeah. everyone. Yeah, and uh, Alma, I, I was like uh, one of those people like, yeah, we're traveling, we're our families all for one, one for all, we always travel <laughs> together. Like, what are you talking about? We never leave anyone behind. And then my daughter became a teenager and she's like, I don't want to go with you. And she's like, I don't want to go to a water park. I don't want to do this and that. And uh, eventually, I, we also had to understand that it's all of those things that we thought were hard for us were also really hard for her using the public uh, restrooms on an airplane, for example. This is like uh, serious acrobatics that is, is needed there and she doesn't want to do it anymore. So we had to kind of like, okay, if you don't want to come, what do you want to do instead? And she's like, I want to have a sleepover with the Safta, which is her grandmother. And uh, so, and my mom was, of course, is always ready to help. She's like, just tell me what and I'll do it. I'll cross the ocean swimming if you want me to. So she, she came and uh, they had like, a, you know, <laughs> they, they had their sleepover party here. And we took our son on a vacation on his own for like three days. It's it's uh, it's a new experience, but uh, yeah, it has its advantages as well. What can I say? Sometimes you need to separate and rule, and it helps a lot. And um, yeah, yes, and also you know you're bringing it up from the perspective of you know your daughter not mm -hmm. wanting to come. For us, you know, initially there was a lot of guilt because we were making that decision because mm -hmm. my son would want to come to everything and. Um, so there is guilt involved, um, but the longer I thought about it and dealt with it, um, I didn't have as much guilt because he's getting to do fun things as well, just not necessarily the exact same things that we're doing all the time. And, you know, that's not to say that we're not doing family things all the time. We're constantly doing family things 
and um but you know not everything has to be all for one one for all as you're saying yeah and and the guilt you know alma i guilt is a part of this game but yeah. honestly in some situations you really do need to kind of swallow the the guilt bullet and to separate forces and sometimes it's so important for some couples just to keep the marriage going you know to just have a break from that tormenting day-to-day task and it's important to know yourself know your partner you know your family know your other kids and make priorities and sometimes you know you need to make sacrifices on one arena to make the others work uh, work better and and vacations like stopping the day-to-day reality and and moving into a different scenario a different environment is so helpful sometimes for everybody's mental health so definitely guilt is is inevitable almost but um, as we spoke about the siblings episode that you need to at each and every moment ask yourself which one of the kids really needs me more at this specific moment not in general now and when you plan for family vacations who needs the vacation most and what is the purpose of this like why are we going how are we spending our budget and what's what's the overall uh, purpose of this and sometimes it's just like really the adults just need a break yeah yeah and there's nothing wrong with that we need to recharge yeah i yeah i i know that we are about to finish like obviously there is like a whole bunch of recommendations about traveling with heavy duty equipment uh, that uh, I can speak about, Alma can speak about like uh, food preparation. And I want to ask uh, our listeners, if you are planning a trip and you have the need for some more practical advice recommendations, uh, given a a specific uh, journey that you're about to embark on, uh, we would be really happy to answer questions in uh, your comments and emails. And uh, we can also like give a more specific episode about like actual planning and the physicality of going on a trip with our kids. But that was a general overview for everybody's benefit. Alma, do you have any words of wisdom to part with? Just uh, put the guilt in a drawer and close it up. And as Iris mentioned, get out there, live life, take your kids um, whenever you can and get those experiences down. Because not only is the anticipation part of the fun, after the vacation and looking at pictures and talking about it with people is is a big part of the fun as well thank you Alma thank you for all our listeners and we will see you next time see you next week thank you bye for more information please go to www.twomomsnofluff.com thank you If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a 5-star rating so more people can hear it. Thank you.